0: to be in uh back in ephesians today and we'll have Easter next weekend and then we'll be back in ephesians after that for for I think a a pretty pretty decent chunk of time uh hopefully we're not losing our place or any kind of a flow especially when we're doing like part three out of what has now become part four of prayer as we study paul's prayer in ephesians chapter three i keep thinking oh yeah i think i'll end chapter three this week and as i start typing out my message and going and and getting excited about what to share i realize that each week gets pushed out a little bit further i appreciate your patience but i'm I'm absolutely loving this prayer i'm loving what paul is praying for us for the church for the church in ephesus and so it is uh it's just a great rich text. It's a great rich book, isn't it? I'm, uh, I'm really growing myself through, through the privilege of studying this for all of us. And so, um, first, before we jump in, I want to start off by just really encouraging you to make every effort to be part of our services over this next week. It's a special time of year. Now, yes, every single Sunday, we, we choose to sing of the cross. We choose to sing of the resurrection, to celebrate Christ, to lift Christ high. But there is something special uh, about the time of Good Friday, the day of Good Friday, and the day of Easter, and the victory over death, and Christ's death on the cross, which, which uh, paid for our sins, And so when we were it's good. And so Friday night at 7 o'clock, please, I want to invite you, we're going to take some time just to reflect and to focus on the cross. I mean, Good Friday is really quite a day, isn't it? You know, I remember Scott saying, and I remember my kids and even myself having these own thoughts. Am I to be happy today? Or am I to be sorrowful? What how am I supposed to feel on Good Friday? And I thought about it, and it's both, isn't it? We sorrow because of our sinfulness. And we sorrow that an innocent God who loves us died and took a horrendous, horrible, painful, suffering punishment for our sins. But we rejoice because it paid for our sins. We rejoice because the curtain at the moment Christ died was torn in two. And now through the blood of Christ, we now have access to the Father. And so we sit here on Good Friday, and we just have to marvel at the cross. And we kind of will feel sad, we'll feel happy, we'll feel grateful. Sadness, thankfulness, praise. But really, it comes down to this, for me, awe and wonder. That Jesus died for me. You know, we see at the cross... Really the truth of the gospel. It's all centered in this. The simple verse we've all memorized. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him. Will not perish. But have everlasting life. Jesus died for us. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And then I can't help but think as we focus on Good Friday, Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I'm going to try real hard. I'm not going to do I'm just going to read the verse. I, I really want to like just start expositing this and going after it, but we'll, we'll, we have Ephesians today. For one will scarcely die For a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person. One would dare even to die. But God. But God. Shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Will you join us this Friday? And let's focus and reflect on that. Well Friday is there. And if we have any doubts of how we're to. Celebrate and feel on Sunday, we are to rejoice because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. What? I didn't give you enough warning, did I? It's not Easter. Yeah, you do it every day. We celebrate, I know. So, okay, that's fine, that's fine. But we were going to celebrate the victory over death, we celebrate the resurrection in a very specific way next Sunday. And I want to impress upon us, come ready to celebrate. Come ready, come in joy, come in wonder, come in amazement. We will stand amazed that the stone was rolled away. We will claim in victory, just as Mary ran to the garden, the angel said this, he is not here, he is risen. risen Thank you. (laughs) He is, he is alive and he is alive in us. The blood shed on the cross paid for our sin, and the resurrection of Jesus powerfully proclaims that the payment was accepted. That we're forgiven and we are alive because our Savior is alive. You know, uh, you guys know I'm a Giants fan. And when the Giants won the World Series in 2014, I immediately texted my nephews, both of them, and I made them promise to me that they would name their firstborn child Madison. (laughs) After Madison Bumgarner. And I said, hey, it works. Boy or girl, you're first born, Madison. Why? I was so excited about the Giants winning again for the third time. It's an even year this year, by the way, just so you know. Sorry, Cardinal fans. But uh, I had to do that. But he pitched an amazing series. And sports writers and people just said how incredible it was. And giant fans celebrated with loud and great joy what he had done on the pitcher's mound. Do you know what? That is absolutely nothing compared to this, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so we should be ones who immediately move into celebration and joy and proclaim and tell others Jesus is alive. And that's what we'll do next Sunday. It's in Christ we have hope. We are forgiven because of Jesus. We are alive because of Jesus. We are children of God because of Jesus. We studied it in Ephesians chapters one and chapter two as we are adopted in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ, we have hope. In Christ, we have something immeasurable. Remember what Paul prayed earlier in chapter one that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. And listen, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Are you ready for next Sunday? Resurrection power living within us Christ is alive living in us reigning seated at the right hand of God and I hope that all we've been studying in Ephesians these past months has been fueling a fire of thankfulness within us it's been fueling a desire for praise and worship to God for all that he has done for us in Jesus Christ so you see God proves his mercy and his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ The picture of kindness is Jesus Christ. The picture of God's mercy is Jesus Christ. So next Sunday, let's come ready to sing and celebrate like a bunch of thankful rescued sinners, shall we? You know, this encouragement really leads us into our study today. We're going to do our second part of what we should be praying for. And so let's look at our text. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength Forever and ever. Amen. So we have been looking at Paul's prayer for the church. This text, we're looking at his prayer. And we were seeing first how we should be praying. And we saw that we should be praying in humility. You see, all that God has done for us, all that we have learned in chapters 1 and 2, lead to this point where we are now a humble, humble people before God. We need to be ones who pray in humility. You see, all that God has done for us, it humbles us. We bow before the Father and we pray humbly, knowing that everything we have is only from God. We bring nothing to our salvation. It's from God alone. Our blessings in Christ are from God alone. And we've been made alive and saved because of the grace of God alone. And since we are nothing and bring nothing, and since we come to God with nothing but the blood of Jesus, we are humble. I can't emphasize it enough. Why? Because we know, and as we study this, and as we take this in and know the grace of God, we realize this that the scriptures are absolutely true when it says, without Him, without Christ, we can do nothing. And so we're humbled. I am not saved. I do not have salvation. I did not gain salvation due to anything I have. It's all Jesus. And when we see that it's all Jesus and we have a true knowledge of God's work through Christ within us, we are humble before God. Oh, a proud Christian, an arrogant Christian, may it never be we of all people should be the most gentle and most humble of all because we've seen our Savior's work, that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, it is God who made us alive. And I know we emphasize this every single week, but I want you to see and to know the gospel that it's all Jesus Christ God working, raising us to life and giving us Christ. It's awesome. And it's humbling. Then a few Sundays ago, we saw how we need to be strengthened. We saw what we should be praying for. We saw this two weeks ago. And in our text, we can see two major items to pray for. Power and love. We need to pray for power. We need to pray for love. In verses 16 through 19, just in review, look at the phrases that we went over and what we saw. Look at the phrases that have power and love as its main focus. Verse 16, strengthened with power. Verse 17, rooted and firmly established in love. Verse 18, able to comprehend God's love. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ. And then verse 19 also, to be filled with all the fullness of God. In verse 20, according to the power that works in us. You can't miss Paul's focus here. You can't miss Paul's requests. They're crystal clear. And we saw how we need to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we didn't bring anything, if it wasn't our strength that brought us to salvation, why do we think it's our own strength that is going to lead us into sanctification, that's going to lead us into a greater love for God? We don't think that we get saved and then we try harder and try harder and try harder. No, we come to God who is our power. He is our fuel. He is the one who moves within us powerfully. And he works within us, doesn't he? He works on the inside. He strengthens us. And Paul prays this. He asks for us to be strengthened with power in the inner man. Because it is on the inside that we are truly, truly changed. Strength and power from God within us is how sin is fought and conquered. As we are changed from within, we are strengthened to proclaim where our hope and our strength comes from. When we're changed inside by Jesus Christ and God's love and His power, we love others. It's a powerful mystery, isn't it? That Christ powerfully dwells within us. You see, Jesus has taken up residence within us and he is changing us. We are being conformed into his image. He desires us to look like him. And he is transforming us into a dwelling or a house that reflects his character, that reflects his style. I like that. We are becoming like Christ. And so today now we'll see our second item of what we are to pray for. And we are to pray to be strengthened within by the power of the Holy Spirit. We saw that. And second, we need power to fully comprehend and grasp Christ's love. Have you ever tried to focus on Christ's love to really, truly grasp it? We somewhat understand it, don't we? But it's deep. We sing that. We sing hymns. We sing songs. If every, uh, uh, no, I'm not going to go off the top. Darren knows it really well. The love of God. If the ocean were ink and every man a scribe by trade would take a quill and dip it in the ocean, it would never run out. The love of God. How deep the Father's love for us. We see, we sing these things and we know these things, and we see in Scripture a great and powerful love. And Paul prays for us that we must, un- and prays that we would understand that we need God's power working within us to fully know the unlimited love of God, to know the eternal love of God, the infinite love of God. Now, see, we say we know the love of God, don't we? Well, we need to know it better. I need to know it better. I need to know it more. So I must be praying, and we must be praying for us, for one another, for the church. We need to pray for the power and ability to fully grasp Christ's love. Well, why is this important? You see, don't you see that Paul's not just praying for the church to love Christ more? Now, would it be a good thing for us to love Christ more? Any argument? Absolutely not. But is that what Paul's praying? No. He's saying this, Paul is saying, he's praying for the church to love Christ more. And uh, not saying that, to have a deeper love for Jesus Christ. Um, He's not praying that. And why do I think so? I'm sorry, I'm getting a little like fast. Let me slow down. Do you see that Paul is not praying for the church to love Christ more? Or to have a deeper love for Jesus Christ? Why? It's because of this. The greater we know and the more we understand and become transformed by the love of God, then the greater our love for Jesus and God will be. Does that make sense? We need to know his love and then our love for him will increase. It's by daily living in his grace and in the love of Jesus Christ that our love for Jesus Christ expands and grows You see, a radical desire and a life of obedience happens when we understand and know the love of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that an understanding of Christ's love is joined together to our Christian obedience. We need to love God more. Yes, but we need to understand first and foremost his love for us. And then we see our love for him increase. Does that make sense? Scripture teaches this. Galatians 2:20, Paul says this, "I have been crucified with Christ. He's giving up his life." Is that obedience? Dying to self? Giving your life to Jesus, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it's the love of Jesus that propelled Paul and propels us to radically obey and to crucify ourselves with Christ. We see later in Ephesians 5, 2, it says this, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're commanded here, and we're going to study this a little bit later, but in chapter 5, it says, And walk in love as Christ loved us. Well, if we don't understand as Christ loved us, how are we going to properly walk in love? You see, Christ is the picture of love. Scripture all over the place. God is love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. The love of God. And what Paul is praying for us here is not just a mental acknowledgement it moves beyond the intellect. Paul is praying for the power to grasp, for us to know the power and to grasp the dimensions of God's love in how we live, in our experience. Now don't be one who fears experiencing the love of God. Look at First 1 Peter 1, 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, if you have inexpressible joy, will that show on the outside? It better. I mean, duh. You can't hide it, can you? When you truly have joy, can you hide it? No, because it's how God made us. We are emotional people. Some of us, our emotions get a little out of control on the anger side sometimes. Whoa, you can explode. And they go, He is an angry person. But may it be said of us that because of Christ, they say, You are a joyful person. It's because of the love of Jesus Christ. See, love is not mere head knowledge. Later in our text we're going to see Paul says this that the love we would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge Now I want to challenge us today and I want to challenge myself first is this we must watch out there is a warning we have to give that we do not base too much of our lives on experience Too much of our spiritual truth on experience. That is dangerous. Why is that dangerous? Because it is scripture that is perfect. Everything that we experience must go through the funnel of God's word. It must. We must filter our experiences through the word of God. We filter our lives through the word of God. Why? Because it alone is perfect. But don't become one who avoids experiencing the love of God. We are not to be people who are cold and dead, yet very orthodox. I mean, when you look at the chapters we've studied so far, Paul plows us with truth. We've been bombed with doctrine. And it's good. It's great. But now Paul is praying that we know our doctrine and experience our doctrine. That we know God's salvation, God's power, God's love to know it and to live it. You see, you can have perfectly straight doctrine and still live in horrible sin. Because you do not daily live out the powerful love of God in your life. Do you know that? You can have perfect doctrine and still live in horrible sin. Because you do not live in the power of the resurrection and the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. You do not truly experience and live as one who knows the love of God. It is way more than just saying, I know God loves me. You know God loves you. Any of you ever gotten an empty I love you from someone? I love you. Uh, yeah, Yeah. How do you know? How does one prove their love? You experience it, don't you? A hug, prayer, deeper friendship, fellowship. It's experience. How does God demonstrate his love towards us? We just saw it. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And the list goes on. But we must move past just knowing it. It must be what we live. Look at our text. What should we know and what should we experience? In verse 17, it says this We are to be rooted and grounded in love. I like how in Colossians 2, it says this rooted and built up in Christ, rooted and established in love. Katie and I have tried to grow carrots for about three summers in a row with miserable results. If any of you have tips, we will gladly take them. I think I put too many seeds and they end up start like tying around each other and they look like baby carrots and it's just sad. But they're never really rooted deep, they don't go deep. It's like the ground is too hard or whatever. It's not established, it's not an established carrot. My zucchini does great, this just boggles my mind. Zucchini does great, carrots are awful. I'm doing something wrong, they're never fully taking root, they're not growing, they're not established in the soil. We are to be people who are established in Christ, to be rooted and grounded in love, rooted and built up in Christ. We need to build our lives on the love of Christ and let the roots of our lives dive deep, dive strong. Let the foundation of our lives be the love of Jesus Christ I need to say it again, our lives are to be built on the love of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 18, we see this, that we need to know the limitless distance or dimensions of God's love. As Paul prays for the church to grasp the great love of God, he uses these words, breadth, length, height, and depth. Does that sound familiar to another verse you know? Romans 8. Where nothing will separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Doesn't it sound that way? What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that God's love is huge, God's love is infinite, God's love is big. Very, very, very big. How do we know this? God's word tells us so. God's love is infinite. And so, when you say in the breadth of God's love, there's no tribe or tongue or nation or race that is left out. Salvation is for all. We are all one in Christ. The length of God's love, Jeremiah 31 3 says this I have loved you with an everlasting love. The height of God's love, Psalm 103, my favorite psalm, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. The depth of God's love? Micah seven nineteen says this. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Do you guys know how deep the sea is? We don't really know, do we? Very, very, very deep. Do any of you have a fear of deep water? Don't like it? Some people don't like it at all. Like I get too deep, it's like, forget about it. I don't mind it a whole lot. But I do admit that at some point where it gets to the point where you know you can't see anything more, my mind does start to wonder what's down there. I don't know how comfortable I am. Blake's worse than the ocean, believe it or not. Even though the ocean probably, who knows what's down there, what God has created. But you know what else is down there deep, deep, deep? are iniquities. You ever look at space? You ever grab a telescope and see how far out you can see? It's kind of a hobby of mine. I'm terrible at finding things out there, but I just like pointing it up in the sky. And I go, that star looks cool. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I love it. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is God's love for us. And space goes on and on and on. And his love for us goes on and on and on. Amazing. You see, we need strength to comprehend this, don't we? Can we really understand it? A little bit, huh? But don't we need strength to comprehend the hugeness of God's love? Of his great, mighty, eternal love. You see, it takes God's power to give us that strength. And so we need to live our lives in the reality of what we've been studying in Ephesians. And you'll see in chapters 1 and 2, God's love for you. So we pray for strength and power to understand and experience the gospel or God's love towards us daily. And don't neglect this. You see, Paul prays for us to have strength to comprehend God's love with all the saints. So when we gather together, do you see this is inclusive? It does not say that you do this by yourself. It says God, Paul is praying that he wants us to experience this with all the saints, the great love of God. And so when we gather together, what should our gatherings be about? What Jesus Christ has done for us. It should be about the gospel. It should be about the love of God. And so when we gather, let's speak and let's sing of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Let's be a community of people transformed and amazed by the love of God. Let's be people who share testimony of God's love. What we experienced this week and the past week, how God's love brings forgiveness and brings healing. It brings reconciliation. We live in a world, we live in a society, we live in a church age where reconciliation must happen and it only happens by the love of Christ. Where you lay aside selfishness and your own desires. So let's study and discuss the scriptures together. Why? This shows us the love of God from Genesis 1 to the very, very end. This is a love story of God rescuing us. God's love is so great, so wide, so long. It's too high and too deep to keep it to ourselves, isn't it? Knowing God's love in Christ should give us and give me a greater desire to be with his people And as we grow in our love for Christ, as we understand God's love, it will strengthen our love for one another and for his church. We need to know that God's love, that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. We will never ever get to the end or get to the bottom of God's love because it surpasses knowledge. Daily take time to meditate on God's love. Preach to yourself the truth of the gospel that we learned in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Do this every single day, and you will become amazed at the love of God. Also, this know you're forgiven. Do you understand how important it is to know you are forgiven? In Christ, Chapter 1, verse 7. In Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Christ we have forgiveness. God has forgiven you. Would you rest in his forgiveness? I want to say it pretty loud. Proclaim it. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You see, you are forgiven, and don't fall into this trap that so many of us want to fall into. I have fallen into this myself. Don't say this, that I have the head knowledge that I am forgiven. If I went to you and said, are you forgiven by Jesus? I am sure that you would say, I am forgiven. Yes, I'm forgiven. But you know what some of you would say? You know what, I can struggle with myself, but I can't forgive myself for all that I've done, for my wasted years, for my wasted time. I can't let go of my past. I can't forgive myself. Stop. Move on. You are forgiven by God. If God has forgiven you, move forward and press on. You see, God, who is he? He is the ultimate ruler. He is the boss. He is the Lord. And he is the Lord of the universe says this, you are forgiven. So find your identity in Jesus Christ and the gospel. Don't be a slave to a false God. And guess what? You, when you say I won't forgive myself, you are the false God. It is idolatry. You make yourself to be an idol when you say, I will not forgive myself. Because God's forgiven you. And he's better and greater than you. That's why we sing it. Jesus is better, and it takes power to know this, doesn't it? Make my heart believe. Because we are weak in faith often, aren't we? Maybe it's just me. But don't become an idol of your idolatry. You are forgiven. We need to experience God's love by sharing his love and his gospel with others. We must forgive others. We must be kind. We must be patient to those who are difficult. We must be those who always think the best of one another. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we know this, it's said at most every wedding I've been to. Love is patient, love is kind, not jealous, not boastful, not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We need God's power working within us to love that way. And when we do not love that way, things go south fast. Very, very fast. And the problem is this too, again, I'm gonna say it, you could have great doctrine. You could be straight as an arrow in what you proclaim, but if you have not love, you are a gong and a symbol. Oh, I pray that I will not become a gong or a symbol. Who wants to be around a symbol very long? You ever, I don't have a symbol, but one of my kids, when they were about two years old, my brother-in-law decided to get the keyboard. You know what I'm talking about? The keyboard with the automatic song on there? Guess what the automatic song was? Jingle bells. Year around. Kelsey would hit the button, sorry Kelsey, with the, it was just awful. It was to, and it never ever ended. And finally, one time, like, when she is not looking, distract her and lose the keyboard. Hide it. Because it was a noisy, clangy instrument that was driving us crazy. Don't be the one who has so much good to say but doesn't love and it's drowned away because all people will hear is i know you like that didn't you but it's a serious point we need god's power within us to love as we're called to love When we know God's love, when we experience his grace, when it's changing us, we become gracious and kind. Again, it is God's grace that fuels our obedience. And finally, know this, that it's God's love that makes us mature or complete. Look what Paul says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, Paul prays that we would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love will make us all that we're supposed to be. For I am confident of what? This very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. In Christ, we will mature and we will grow. I want to give you a few verses just as we uh, get ready to end our day today. I want you to maybe look at these and expand, and you can see what a little bit more of what it means to be filled with the fullness of God. If you want to jot them down, great, and look at them this week. Ephesians five eighteen and Ephesians 1.23 Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. Colossians 1, 19. And Colossians 2, nine through 10. John 17, verse 26. Great verses. So Grace Bible Church, friends, each of us needs the fullness of God's love and power in order to be like Jesus Christ. So let us be a people who seek the fullness of God's love and power for this purpose, that we would love others, that we would love our neighbors, that we would love our church, our families, that we would love the lost and the broken, that we would proclaim to others the life in Christ to those who are still dead in their trespasses and sins. Amen? Let us be a people who powerfully love because God powerfully lives within us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's a lot here that Paul was praying for. And it's our prayer too. We echo this passage. Oh Lord, we need you. But Father, we thank you. And we praise you that you have taken us and you have made us alive in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for our salvation that's living and active, that you've given us your Holy Spirit to be within us, to change us. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have given us. We pray that we would be people who understand and grasp and hold on to your great and infinite and mighty love. You are so good. You are so loving and kind. And so, Father, I would just pray for us, for all of us, Myself included, Lord, may we know your love more and we know that that will then fuel a life that's pleasing to you. And Lord, we love others because you first loved us. And so Father, help us know, understand, and live out daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, minute, and second by second. May we be people who live out your love in all that we do and say. And we do this by your grace and your grace alone.